0: It's Wednesday, March 22nd. If you do bank runs have been caused by doing something, would you just keep doing it? You start here. Economists brace for the Federal Reserve to bump up interest rates again. This is a
1: really tricky moment for the Federal Reserve.
0: All the questions you might have been afraid to ask, including why are the bankers so afraid? Pencils down, picket signs up.
2: It's a sea of people for several blocks down here.
0: Thousands of teachers have walked off the job in Los Angeles. And they weren't just duping Trump supporters. They were allegedly punishing employees who wouldn't. She felt the Fox legal team was
3: conditioning her and intimidating her. The latest in a
0: series of lawsuits against Fox News. From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. If you lived through the big bank collapses of 2008, you might have felt this sinking feeling as banks began to report problems in recent weeks. When two banks failed, it was one thing, but then other banks seemed to verge on insolvency as well, including a really big one, Credit Suisse. Investors buoyed after UBS stepped in to buy its embattled smaller rival, Credit Suisse. And yet, as that's wrapped itself up, experts are quick to point out This is completely different from 2008 for one huge reason, which is the underlying problems with these banks are way different. 15 years ago, lots of banks suddenly realized they held billions of dollars in mortgages that had become worthless. Lenders may have become careless because they, like many other people at the time, expected that house prices would continue to rise. The issues here have nothing to do with housing, but rather the Fed's decision to fight inflation by raising interest rates. We'll talk in a bit about how those interest rates have affected a lot of stuff, but there's a big difference between banks losing some money on investments and suddenly finding out they're holding worthless stuff. With that in mind, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made a speech yesterday saying the situation with banks is stabilizing. Let
2: me be clear, the government's recent actions have demonstrated our resolute commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings and the banking system remain
0: safe. And yet, if interest rates are what led to some of these bank runs, you might find it odd that later today, the Federal Reserve is expected to raise these rates yet again. ABC's Elizabeth Schulze covers economic policy. Elizabeth, what's going to happen today?
1: Well, there's a big debate about what's going to happen today, Brad. A lot of people who watch the Fed really closely aren't entirely sure. And that's because the Fed's calculus has changed dramatically in just a matter of days as we've seen this banking crisis unfold. Many analysts expect that the Fed will still raise interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point today. This is a big deal for the economy, of course, affects your household budget, how much it costs to take out a loan, to pay off your credit card debt. But the Fed is in an especially tough spot right now because this decision on whether it raises interest rates comes as it's trying to understand how much these rate hikes not just affect borrowing in the economy, And, of course, borrowing in the economy, that's all about this fight against inflation. But it also affects banks. And it's one of the reasons why banks have gotten into this tough spot in the first place, Mm. why we've seen this failure of banks over the last 10 days.
0: And can you back up and explain, like, why interest rates even created the issue with the banks in the first place? Because I get that it has something to do with bonds, and bonds are when the government borrows money from banks. It pays this nice, safe return. But... I know nothing beyond that, Elizabeth. <laughs> Can you fill in all the blanks after that? <laughs> right. So go a couple years back. A lot of these banks
1: loaded up on bonds. They saw this as a safe investment that gave them a steady return over time. But what's happened? As interest rates have gone up, those bonds have become less valuable. The prices of them have gone down as the Yield has gone up. There's this kind of inverse relationship when you're looking at bonds between yield and price. So, when these banks then tried to sell those bonds, they had to sell them at a lot lower price than what they'd been hoping for. And that's how they ended up losing money. And of course, then that led to a cascading effect of them not having enough cash, people being worried they didn't have enough cash. And we saw the bank run after
0: that. Okay. So, then you got all these banks that are like, oh, like we, want better deals, but we don't have the cash to back up all the people that are pulling their money out. But then, so that all leads to this question about interest rates. And this is like the first time in a long time I've heard Wall Street investors and union card-carrying progressives all saying the same thing. They're all saying, Elizabeth, Fed, slow your roll. Don't hike interest rates anymore. It is not the moment. Why is the Fed not listening? To understand why
1: the Fed isn't listening, you have to think about where the Fed was just two weeks ago. We heard Fed Chair Jerome Powell testifying to lawmakers about how inflation is too high.
0: Although inflation has been moderating in recent months, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy.
1: And he basically signaled two weeks ago that the Fed would need to be even more aggressive in hiking interest rates to bring down inflation. The Fed, you know, had already hiked interest rates eight times in a row. It looked like inflation was coming down. The whole goal of these rate hikes is to get businesses and consumers to pull back on their spending. And the Fed is aware that it hadn't totally worked. So now there's really this balancing act of Is the Fed continuing to prioritize inflation, which it has said Mm. is priority number one time and time again? If they don't hike rates, does it kind of look like, oh, inflation's not really a problem. We're not going to prioritize that anymore. Like
0: two weeks ago, your biggest concern was inflation. Now is your biggest concern the banks or is it still inflation?
1: Exactly. Or do you take a look at what's happened in the banking sector and say, we're going to pause. Let's see how the higher rates play out. One side effect of the banking crisis that a lot of economists I talk to are pointing out is that banks might get more cautious anyways. In other words, they might not want to lend as much because they're worried about what's going to happen. And so that in itself kind of has the same effect as higher interest rates. So some economists are saying we don't even need to raise rates at all because this is all going to mean the economy gets more restricted in the same way that the Fed was hoping it would. Mm. But this is a really tricky moment for the Federal Reserve. Not just because about interest rates either, Brad. We also have this question about how the Fed let this banking crisis happen in the first place. You know, we have confirmed reports from The New York Times and The Wall Street Journal that the Fed flagged concerns about these banks' management four years ago. So Fed Chair Powell is going to be speaking publicly for the first time on this today. The Fed actually, Brad, has this 10-day communication blackout window before its meetings. So this is the first time we're going to hear Powell speak since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And understandably, he's going to be under scrutiny about how did the Fed miss these red flags, And how is it going to make sure that there won't be more failures in the future? Yeah,
0: he'll be answering that as he's almost trying to shout over these clamoring Wall Street types. And a lot of these, again, sort of more left-wing people saying this is not the time to make money more expensive for so many Americans. Uh, Elizabeth Schulze, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Brad. Our next lesson on Start Here, D, is for don't cross the picket line. We'll take you to Los Angeles after the break. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there should be no compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor. You know the type, like I've had this person before, that doesn't actually listen to you or who seems just in a rush to end your appointment that you spent months making. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. So, no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you got more options than you know. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. Go to ZocDoc.com slash start here and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, zocdo slash start here. ZocDoc.com slash start here. The second biggest school system in the U.S. is Los Angeles Unified School District. We're talking about more than a half million students, 70,000 employees at more than a thousand facilities. Well, this week, school is out. We will stand united. 65,000 members strong. School staffers, including teachers, have gone on strike as part of a multi-day walkout. And ABC's Kena Whitworth has been there among them. She's based in L.A. Kana, I-, I can hear some of the sound behind you right now. How much this is, has this affected life I- in L.A.?
2: OK, Brad, yeah, I mean, I know you can hear the protests, uh, you hear drums. I mean, it's because thousands of people took to the streets in downtown Los Angeles. It's a sea of people for several blocks out here. Authorities had to come out and actually, you know, block off city blocks for this protest to take place. And it's the service workers that started this protest. We're talking about the cafeteria workers, bus drivers, custodians. I'm the one of the people that that working twenty five thousand a year, trying to make it, and it's really hard. I live check to check. And they were met in force in solidarity by the teachers as well who refused to cross that picket line.
1: In special education in particular, we work very closely with our bus drivers, with our assistants, specifically in deaf education, our interpreters our ASL-qualified
0: interpreters.
2: But this all started really, really early yesterday morning, Brad. I mean, I'm telling you, I was out at that bus depot yesterday at 4, 4.30 in the morning in the rain, and they were out there picketing. And
0: so if this is about the workers and sort of what they're demanding, I mean, what do they want? What, what are the, the terms of this strikeover?
2: So the service workers say they were unable to renegotiate their contract when they were supposed to because of COVID.
3: I showed up every day. I installed air filters in classrooms and other facilities. My work was essential for student health. But it seems LAUSD has forgotten
2: that. So now they have essentially canceled their 2020 contract and they're trying to renegotiate. They want a 30% increase and an extra $2 an hour. We'll actually bring our members uh, out of the, to the poverty line. They are at $25,000 a year average and a raise we're demanding was bring them to 36 to 37,000 average approximately to so just meet the poverty just line just the poverty line for a family of 4 here in Los Angeles. The so, superintendent with LAUSD has come back. He says he has offered a historic pay increase, but it's at
0: 23%. My friends, never in the history of this district has any proposal for any union even come close to that level.
2: And the union right now is just saying that's simply not enough. They say these negotiations really fell apart. We want clean, safe, supportive schools for all children. That means you need to start hiring more people to clean the schools, uh, because in communities of low income specifically, probably half the bathrooms are closed in the schools. They also say that the district sort of talked with the media and that broke some of their rules. I take responsibility for that, but it was not intended to be anything other than to be congratulatory that we were all finally talking together. Talking with the superintendent, he says on Monday he waited all day and was around to have a conversation about this and that not a single person from the union approached him.
0: We are inviting our partners to the table. We are here to negotiate.
2: Well, I would say that uh, we have been bargaining with him for over a year and never once has he showed up nor did they actually engage in, in good-faith negotiation. They rejected all our proposals, forcing us to go to impasse. And that is why this strike is happening, and it is expected to last full three days.
0: Yeah, and, and what kind of a... Three days, I mean, is it, not nothing, right? What, what has been the reaction among parents and families in the school district?
2: Yeah, three days is a lot. I mean, especially when you're a parent, and this sort of happened all of a sudden, and now you're scrambling to get right. child care. So far, my wife's plans to take... A couple of days off work and maybe stay home with the kids, and I'm out to do more overtime. A lot of parents express frustration, but there are also a lot of parents who really support their teachers and the school staff. So I know parents are frustrated by the strike, but I want parents to know our working conditions are our children's learning conditions. Hi, Three meals, right? In an effort to help these families, the district has set up sites, 150 of them across LA where, you know, kids can be dropped off and be supervised throughout the day and also have a hot meal. But really in the end, that's still hard for parents to grapple with. Many of us live paycheck to paycheck. We know losing pay will be difficult, but LAUSD has pushed
3: us to a strike.
2: What they're telling me right now is that if they don't get what they want, in all likelihood, there could be an open-ended strike coming down the line.
0: Wow. Fascinating. All right. Kana Whitworth there in a very noisy L.A. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Brad. There were no new developments in the Donald Trump case in Manhattan yesterday. The grand jury said to be considering a potential indictment didn't even convene. They are back today. There was also this kind of weird break in the case over Trump's handling of classified materials. Sources tell ABC News that a special prosecutor is claiming Trump misled his own attorneys about holding on to classified documents. But the sources who described its contents to ABC News say she wrote that special counsel Jack Smith has made, quote, A prima facie showing that the former president had committed criminal violations. But the biggest Trump story of yesterday had nothing really to do with Trump's own actions. It was more how his false claims of election fraud were handled in the days leading up to January 6th. Because while it's one thing for news networks to cover stuff differently, legal analysts say lawsuits against Fox News reveal processes that look more like what you'd see at a propaganda machine. And that could have profound implications for Americans of all political stripes. It could also have implications for Fox, depending on what happens in these lawsuits. And there was a new one yesterday. Let's go to ABC's Olivia Rubin, who's been covering this saga. She was actually in the courtroom in Delaware yesterday where some of this was getting hashed out. Olivia, there's like a a ton of backstory here, right? So for those of us who have not been covering it in depth, can you give us, like, the two-minute version of why Fox is being taken to court?
3: Yeah, exactly. So, this case, believe it or not, goes all the way back to the 2020 election, actually, when this little-known voting machine that you never would have heard of, Dominion Voting Systems, gets caught up and finds itself in the middle of basically every single election conspiracy theory that is out there.
0: And all the fraudulent people that have been... uh, uh,
3: doing the fraudulent things with the the Dominion uh, voting booths and everything. It's going to come out. None of them are true. They were as crazy as they're owned by Hugo Chavez, who's dead. So we know that these aren't true. And then months later, they come out with this massive $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against none other than Fox News. And what they're saying is basically that Fox News knowingly pushed a lot of these conspiracy theories on its airwaves, despite the fact that they knew that they were not true. So the case has been sort of flying under the radar for a little bit now. I mean, it was filed back in March 2021, but it all sort of changed earlier this year when Dominion gets its hands on a trove of Thousands and thousands of documents internal from Fox News of its stars, its executives, all of the names that, you know, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Rupert Murdoch, discussing these claims privately. And what they were saying privately was vastly different than what they were saying publicly on the airwaves.
0: And just so I'm clear, Olivia, like it's a really high standard to accuse a news service of defamation, right? Because you not only have to prove they were wrong about the story, but you have to prove that they did like knowingly or recklessly. Is that where all these kind of discovered emails and texts come into play?
3: Yep, exactly. I mean, these are things that the public would sort of never get to see in a standard way. But because there is this lawsuit, Dominion basically gets to force Fox to turn over all of these documents and then they get to use them and look at them. And you're right, it is a really hard standard. And that's something that Fox has noted, Dominion itself has noted, and many legal experts have noted. This is tough because Fox is protected by the First Amendment. But what Dominion has sort of laid out and what they were saying in court yesterday is they have these documents of its own stars, its own executive sort of knowingly, in their own words, admitting that what they were putting on air was not true. Sean Hannity saying, you know, confessing during one of his depositions in the case that I did not believe it for one
0: second. I've gone over everything I've been able to find out. Nobody liked Dominion voting systems. Nobody.
3: Despite the fact that, you know, Sean Hannity is talking about fraud claims on air, privately he's conceding, I did not believe it for one second. They kind of go a step further in saying that they had an obligation to put forward the president's claims and that these were undeniably newsworthy allegations that were being made by the president and by his legal team. And, you know, sitting in court yesterday, that's exactly what Fox said. They said, you know, we didn't make up these allegations. These are what other people are saying, and we had an obligation to cover that.
0: Dominion believes that this is pretty cut and dry. If you know it to be false and then promote it, uh, that, the law suggests, tips uh, in favor of defamation.
3: What Dominion says is that even though these were other people making the claims on their own airwaves the hosts and the executives still should have known that what they were putting out there is false. So, for example... Uh, Sydney Powell is leading the charge against Dominion, and she says she has enough evidence of fraud to launch a massive criminal investigation. Maria Sidney Bartiromo, she is one of the biggest Fox News hosts. She gets an email from one of the president's lawyers at the time. Her name is Sidney Powell. And, you know, she later gets thrown off Trump's election team, but that's neither here or there. And she basically forwards Bartiromo this email that is supposedly her evidence of voter fraud that she's going to talk about on the show. And Roma herself calls it kooky. And, you know, if you read through it, it's this woman saying she knows about the f- machines and she gets her information from the wind. I mean, it's really Wait, it
0: just from the wind. Like that, that's the thing that you're, you show that to somebody and they're like, yes, we will put you on TV. Yes,
3: <laughs> the wind. So she, it's really stuff that you cannot make up, yet one night later, she does bring Powell onto her show, Sidney Powell, Trump's attorney at the time, to say, you know, Sidney, I know you know about the Dominion software. I know there were voting irregularities. Tell me about it.
2: What can you tell us about the interest on the other side of this
3: Dominion software?
2: Well, obviously, they have invested in it for their own reasons and are using it to commit this fraud to steal votes. Despite the fact
3: Dominion says she should have known based on this email she got that the claims were
0: bogus. I see. And so then if you're a news organization, you might say, well, you know, we're just trying to tell both sides of the story. Even if somebody's wrong, people have people on all the time that like are saying things that might be lies. But in that case, you would push back or you'd present them as lies. Here, people are saying that even if... Fox employees knew they were wrong. They were presenting it as the truth. Um, What about this new lawsuit then, Olivia? Because that this kind of springs out of the Dominion thing, but it's a different lawsuit from a former employee.
3: Yeah, no, this was an entirely new filing that came out sort of left field yesterday that no one was really expecting. You have a Fox News producer who used to work for Bartiromo, the host I mentioned earlier, and now works for Tucker Carlson, coming out and filing this pair of lawsuits against Fox News. And, you know, she is sort of saying it's a broad lawsuit alleging discrimination within Fox News. But in those lawsuits, she's talking about how She was deposed as part of the Dominion lawsuit and she feels like Fox used her as what she described as a scapegoat and that she was coerced with the testimony that she gave, that she felt the Fox legal team was conditioning her and intimidating her in order to sort of take the fall for what happened at Fox and minimize the role that other bigger executives played. And then Fox, interestingly enough, files its own lawsuit, seeking a restraining order against her to prevent her from talking about what happened with these attorneys as she's prepping for her uh, deposition in the Dominion lawsuit. And then strangely, yesterday, one day after filing the suit against the Fox producer, they dropped their suit. The Dominion lawsuit sort of first peeled back the curtain on Fox and really cracked it open. And now this, this lawsuit sort of seems like another crack within the organization.
0: What does Fox say about all this?
3: So in regards to Abby Grossberg, the Fox News producer's new lawsuit, Fox has said that they had engaged an outside independent counsel to look at her concerns that she raised after a performance review. In response to her specific claims about Dominion, they called them baseless and said they would be vigorously defending them against all her claims. In regards to a lot of these communications that Dominion has released, Fox News has said that Dominion has cherry-picked their quotes, that they've mischaracterized a lot of what has said. So they're really pushing back hard here and really emphasizing that they, they, they did what was right.
0: All right. Well, Olivia Rubin there in Delaware where this Dominion case is happening. Uh, we know you've been keeping an eye on it for a while. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Goodbye from Wilmington.
0: All right, one more quick break. When we come back, if the Chinese market is the honeypot, the Communist Party there might be Eeyore. One last thing is next.
1: We've got the exclusive view behind the table. Every day, right after the show, while the topics are still hot, the ladies go deeper into the
2: moments that make the view the view. The View's Behind the Table podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And one last thing, if Winnie the Pooh is such a silly old bear, why are people taking him so seriously? Pooh, piglet,
2: Eeyore, we were friends for many years, and they out there.
0: Might have heard about this new slasher movie called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey, where, I'm not kidding, Christopher Robin is all grown up, he returns to the Hundred Acre Wood to see his childhood friends who aren't so cuddly anymore. You might be wondering, isn't Winnie the Pooh owned by ABC's parent company, Disney? When I up, down, touch the ground, it puts me Well, sort of, but in recent years, copyrights on the character expired and public domain opened the door for not-as-family-friendly content. This week, that movie was supposed to premiere in the Chinese territories of Hong Kong and Macau, but the plug was pulled. To which you might say, well, yeah, people probably just want to stick to the old Pooh they all know and love. But some say there's an extra rumbly in the tumbly here, because in China, poo has come to be seen as a dissident symbol for criticizing Xi Jinping. Yeah, the Chinese president has been in Russia this week meeting with Vladimir Putin, but back home several years ago, memes started circulating comparing Xi to the short, plump little bear. Before you could say, oh bother, the Chinese Communist Party had banned these images and banned the film Christopher Robin in 2018.
3: Christopher Robin, what day is it?
0: It's today.
1: Oh, my favorite day.
0: So, was this film yanked because of poo references, or was it something else? The distributors didn't give a reason, saying on Facebook that the movie didn't meet the audience, whatever that means. Ever since a controversial national security law passed in Hong Kong a couple years ago, there have been more restrictions on films, books, and activities. But in the land where umbrellas even came to be seen as symbols of protests, tut tut, it looks like rain other movies we can make out of stuff that's just too old to copyright? Like, are we going to make Mozart slasher films? Maybe a thriller about the making of the happy birthday song? Like, all the hundred-year-old stuff. Up for grabs. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, ratings and reviews are our honey. We will chase them through the woods. Luckily, though, it's not that hard. You can just leave a five-star rating in the podcast app of your choice, and it really helps us out. I'm Brad Milky. Ta-ta for now.